0: Fiona thank you very much um, you'll probably already know that uh, our moderator Simon Boddington works together with our service leaders to set the theme for most of our Sunday morning services but this pattern changes for the next couple of months uh, through the summer the theme of our morning reflections is uh, down to the person leading the service so In preparing for this morning, my starting point has been praying that I talk about something that the Lord wants me to talk about and that I share with you the message that he'd like us all to hear. And in thinking about what my theme should be, I felt I should go right back to the fundamentals of our Christian faith and for us to remind ourselves just how radical Christ's teaching is when it comes to choosing to live a good life, the best life possible. Getting the best out of life uh, means giving our best to it and so for the next few minutes let's revisit the words of Jesus himself, the very heart of our Christian faith and what sets us apart. Um, Almost every time I stand up here to talk I find myself uh, mentioning the Apostle Paul's advice. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mould. Paul, in saying that, was reflecting what the first followers of Jesus reported our Lord as saying. And it's our Lord's introductory words to what was probably his first public sermon that we're looking at today. It's the start of what generations of Christians have come to know as the Sermon on the the Mount, Jesus' first and arguably fullest explanation of how we should live and what the good life for us should look like and so this morning we'll be looking at what's become known as the Beatitudes, that wonderful series of statements about people who are blessed with true happiness and who truly get to lead the good life. And. For all the many times we've heard them before, we still have to say that the message of the Beatitudes is completely, totally out of step with what most people naturally think is the good life and also the teachings of other religions. Now, I won't need to labour the point uh, that if you ask most people what would constitute the good life, the list would certainly include these things. Good health, good work-life balance, loving family and friends, for many, a good income, and fitting in comfortably with the people around us. And as for the longer-term future, uh, beyond our immediate lifespan, whatever the atheists tell us, the polls reveal time and time again that most people do feel that we are more than a physical presence for our human lifespan most people think that what we do now will affect us through eternity so whether you call that impulse religion or even agnosticism most people believe there's more to life than what we physically experience during our uh, bodily lifespan in jesus's society Uh, The people who everyone looked up to and thought were living the best lives of all were the Pharisees because they very carefully observed all the rules and regulations of their particular religion. But then Jesus comes along himself an expert in Jewish law and teaches a completely different view because of who he was. It isn't only Judaism that suggests that their followers will live their best lives and gain credit through good acts. In the 1970s, I used to work in the overseas services of the BBC, and a Thai colleague invited me to visit Bangkok. And on my first evening there, we went for a walk alongside the Chow Pryor River, that flows right through the heart of the city. And on the bank of the river was a box with a dozen or so live fish in it, gasping, leaping, squirming, wriggling. And I thought, oh, you can buy a fish for your supper here. But no, for a few baht, you could buy one of these fish, which was handed you in a net, and you could save the fish's life by dropping it back in the river. So, we joined a jostling group of people who wanted to do just that. Money changes hands. You tip your fish into the water. And, as my Buddhist friend explained, your act of mercy will earn merit. It will make the life that follows this one easier for you. Uh, in the meantime, I must say I found it difficult to ignore the fact uh, that not far away more fish were being caught. And some of them may be the ones that were being dropped back in. And that the box was being constantly uh, topped up again by uh, fish that either had the fortune or misfortune to be caught again. So uh, the really important thing to say about Jesus' plan for the good life is that it doesn't start with what we do. Of course, Jesus goes on to say that we need to keep the Ten Commandments, but rule-keeping isn't enough. That isn't where it begins. And the reason why we do what we do is all important. So, as many Christian commentators have pointed out, we should treat the Beatitudes... Not simply as a to-do list, Jesus is explaining the attitudes to life that we should cultivate. The starting point uh, is being, not doing. Uh, So uh, that popular, memorable play on the word beatitudes is to say they are first and foremost attitudes. And if our attitudes and motivations are right, what we actually do will flow naturally Uh, from that. Having offered that as an introduction, uh, may I introduce you to the words of our preacher this morning, our Lord himself. Let's briefly take each of the Beatitudes in turn. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This isn't to do with having nothing in the bank account. Jesus Is talking about people who feel spiritually bankrupt. Why are they blessed? Because they're going to have to rely on God to look out for them. People who are poor in spirit are humble and recognise that all their blessings come from God. Spiritual poverty means that we need to acknowledge our shortcomings and therefore our need for God to give meaning uh, to our lives. Humility, of course, is the opposite of pride, uh, the sin that we all know comes before the fall. When people are humble, they allow themselves to be vulnerable, forgiving, and ultimately they're at peace. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The comfort of God's love that Jesus promised is there for people who mourn the loss of loved ones. Jesus gave us the precious promise that he's prepared a place for us and the people we love when we die, as Jesus himself puts it, so that where I am, you may be also. But in this particular context it seems that the people who are blessed are those who mourn over their own sin. Many of us have deep and profound regrets about things we've done in the past. In the privacy of your soul, inside your head, in your heart of hearts, maybe without anyone else knowing about it, there may be things you've done, or deliberately failed to do, that you profoundly regret. God is close to us in that hopelessness, with us in our feelings of failure and regret for unkindnesses, insensitivities, and the active wrongs that we have nurtured or at least tolerated in our lives. This is such a radically different approach to the world around us where there's so little forgiveness. Look at the ways our world trashes the lives of people that have been perceived to have failed politicians and their families, businessmen. Uh, nowadays, even people who use what's nowadays considered the wrong vocabulary to describe themselves and others. So let's remind ourselves of God's grace and forgiveness. We can make terrible errors and God is willing to do more than use words of forgiveness. Life can still have reality, meaning and great purpose for us. I sometimes think that it's well worth us remembering that vast swathes of the Bible are attributed to murderers moses and david yes murderers even the apostle paul who before meeting jesus he actively supported the murder of stephen and met jesus when he was on his mission to find and persecute uh, followers of christ's way we as we mourn our sin we don't have to hide our brokenness god is close to us In our hopelessness God wants to comfort and to heal and to restore us blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth I I do sometimes think that Charles Wesley who wrote so many wonderful hymns got it wrong when he described Jesus as meek and mild adding the Adding the word mild does make one think wimp, doesn't it? And the way the meaning of words changes over time doesn't help either. Uh, I looked up the current uh, dictionary definition of meekness and it includes deficient in spirit and courage. Uh, The Oxford English Dictionary includes always ready to do what other people want Without expressing her own opinion, and for meekness, it offers the synonym in, synonym compliant. Instead, here we need to think of meekness as strength under control. We shouldn't be pushing other people around, but we should simply use our influence for the benefit of others. So. Meekness is how truly humble people behave towards each other. Meekness reflects authentic humility. The meek are obedient and submissive to the will of God. A little later on, Matthew tells us that Jesus was meek and humble of heart. Again, an almost complete opposite from the world we live in, where... Those who, we think of inheriting the earth, are often thought to be the self-confident. To be meek doesn't mean that we should deny our strengths and abilities, but rather it's to accept that our strengths and limitations uh, are are truly limited. Uh, We have to accept them, what they truly are, instead of constantly trying to portray ourselves in the uh, best possible light. Jesus teaches that if we submit to a greater world than our own, we will ultimately inherit the true riches of the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So what does it mean to be righteous? Uh, the righteous are those who maintain right relationships with God and with the people around them. In one sense it's a description of our relationship with God. We hunger and thirst to be forgiven our sins and shortcomings. So divine righteousness is the very opposite of sin. Paul Uh, refers to it in 2 Corinthians when he says for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In another sense righteousness is to do with how we go on to behave. The Bible describes many of its heroes as being righteous because of the way that they reflect God in their lives. Uh, None of us here today, I think, really experience hunger or thirst, or at least not in the way and to the extent that Jesus' original audience or indeed our students at Mechanics for Africa uh, uh, would experience it. We have to use our imaginations here. And who knows, maybe fasting should become a more accepted part of our Christian observance so that we can better understand what it means to be hungry and thirsty to receive the blessing of satisfaction that we experience in our lives when our relationships are right. Jesus says that those who have this hunger will be satisfied and fulfilled. Well, how about the wrongs around us? Do we want to do battle to fix them? If we do this, we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, uh, not just wanting to see wrongs righted, but going on to do something about it. The Christian faith has been the source of many of the greatest social reforms, perhaps the ones we remember most notably in Great Britain is the abolition of slavery and in the united states the genesis and development of the civil rights movement you know i find it fascinating that the christian evangelical movement that developed in the uh, what in the 18th century uh, and led to the uh, abolition of slavery they had many many other causes as well one of them being the reform of manners encouraging people to behave with respect towards each other and that's a cause uh, that every one of us uh, can aim to practice and support ourselves nowadays again the flow of the beatitudes is important we don't take on these battles in our own strength but only in recognition of our own emptiness mourning our own unrighteousness, submitting ourselves to the power of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Of course, to be merciful means that we treat others better than they may deserve. Uh, it's very easy all too easy to think that our own shortcomings deserve mercy after all we're inclined to think of them uh, as um, mistakes aren't we Uh, but it's quite another thing to extend mercy to other people Uh, later in this sermon on the mount jesus goes on to teach us how to pray and the lord's prayer includes that really scary line Uh, We know it so well, don't we? Forgive us our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive those who sin, who trespass against us. We ask God to forgive our sins and shortcomings in that prayer with a condition attached. The condition, Lord, forgive our sins, to the extent that we forgive people who sin against us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus lived in a society where most uh, the people most looked up to had an obsession with ritual cleanliness. Priests had to observe numerous rituals before they could get close to God. And the book of Leviticus describes in detail uh, the many rituals for washing and purification. But again, Jesus stresses here that it's motivations and intent that really matters. It's what goes on in the privacy of our hearts that's important. It's not just priests or religious people, but anyone who is pure in heart who will see God. We're sometimes so good but pretending we're doing all the right things that we almost persuade ourselves, don't we? We often try to fix our actions when the real problem is in our hearts. It's what we believe and what we truly are inside that reflects what we do. Honesty, integrity, no hypocrisy. That's what brings us closer to God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I doubt that there's a single one of us here this morning who doesn't want to see peace between the nations. And yet, there are many in this fallen world in which we live who think differently from that. We only have to think of the war in the Ukraine as it's playing out and unrest in so many other parts of the world to realise that we need leaders who we pray will call on God to give them wisdom as they negotiate for peace. Uh, Winston Churchill had an apt phrase what lead, uh, for pretty much everything, didn't he? Uh, at one point he advocated that to jaw, jaw is better than war, war. But peacemaking isn't just for politicians and world leaders. And it isn't just about our wish for peace between nations. This peace is taken from the Hebrew word shalom, uh, which many of us here will remember Joe Takuni talking about. The kind of personal, family and communal peace which is to do with total or complete well-being in all senses. Jesus is saying that those who put their faith in him and actively pursue peacemaking will receive the eternal reward of being called children of God as they reflect the Father's character of peace and unity. And that's something that we have all so many opportunities to do in our day to day lives. Blessed those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you uh, because of me Jesus doesn't promise his followers an easy life a little later on Jesus goes on to speak of entering a narrow gate and following a hard road. We made the right choice when we entered the narrow gate rather than following the highway but it's not just a one-off decision. We need to continue to make the right choices as we journey with Christ. As Christians we take Christ as our model. We're not meant to uh, listen to the Beatitudes and Pick just one or two to inspire us. Every one of us will increasingly show all the characteristics as we become more like Jesus and aspire to become more like him. Finally, uh, in Matthew 5 verse 12, rejoice and be glad because despite the hardships you may meet, great Is your reward in heaven at the beginning I referred to beatitudes as being to do with having the right attitudes but of course Jesus goes on to tell us that what we believe and the blessings he gives us are meant to be reflected in what we do and how we behave let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and Glorify your Father in heaven. So let's now just spend a few minutes reflecting on these words of our Lord.